And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who wants a brand new Armani suit. Hi, folks, and welcome to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And it's great to be back here on Milleronia. I love it here, and so does Colonel Jeff. And he he loves making the trip in his, well, his brand new jet that he got as part of, well, what he earns, what he deserves. I know I could have, by the way, I could have promoted him from colonel to general, but you know what? Just wait. And uh, boy, it is back. Backyard Milleroni is the greatest thing. It makes me happy, like that music. And of course, that's the John L. Sullivan Orchestra and the Alexis Smith Dancers, featuring boy tenor Edward Starkman, asking the musical question, If someone jumps off Le Pont Neuf, wouldn't they almost certainly be in Seine? That's a heck of a joke, Edward. Both the colonel and I just said, holy mackerel. I mean, it's funny, it's smart, and, you know, it's just really cool. Oh, wait a minute, that's me. Wait, hold on. Funny, smart, cool. Yeah, that's me. But good joke. No, it really is. If someone jumps off Le Pont Neuf, wouldn't they almost certainly be insane? Or Le Seine, which is the river in Paris, the big river. And it has bridges across it, one of them being a famous one called Le Pont Neuf, or Bridge Nine. Or the Ninth Bridge. I, I don't know, and Colonel doesn't know either, of uh, why is it well known? I don't know. He, he doesn't know. If you do, please let us know. And, well, terrific line, though. And, you know, in fact, it's so good that it doesn't even need me to be funny with it. I mean, it's just so good. First of all, yes, they would be in... Seine, La Seine, the Seine River. Good one, Edward. If, if, if someone jumps off Le Pont Neuf, wouldn't they almost certainly be in Seine? Yes, they would. You're darn tootin', Patty. Wow. And there's a reason John L. Sullivan and Alexis Smith were in there. But you'll just have to hold your horses and wait and find out. And by the Larry Miller Store. (laughs) Colonel Jeff, among many other things, has a knack for finding... Well, music that's kind of just perfect for everything. That one is especially perfect because, you know, what do you do when the the segment is about the Larry Miller store? (laughs) 
that. I thought, and Colonel Jeff thought, that's the kind of music you can get. And uh, the Larry Miller story, oh, I'm so glad to be talking about it again. You know what? And you can get to the Larry Miller store. We have such good things. And you get to the Larry Miller store, by the way, you could have a limousine and uh, a giant limousine. I mean, one like two blocks long and just you in it, by the way. But still, it's two blocks long. But you know what? The best way is still just, yes, computer, sure, laptop, sure, iPhone, sure. But go to our website. That's LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. This has been a film-wise presentation. <laughs> oh, good one. I love that one. That's the wonderful Donna Douglas, you know, from many things, including The Twilight Zone, by the way, but mostly being Ellie Mae Clampett on The Beverly Hillbillies. And she was a terrific actress and good in drama, good in comedy, and, yes, just gorgeous, adorable, and like all the Clampets, far too good-looking for just just folks, but they were. And uh, at any rate, do that, yes. Go, go to our podcast, and we have a banner that says The Larry Miller Store, and click that, and we'll take you there. Go take a nap. Click that banner. And we have such good stuff for you, folks. We have uh, T-shirts. Oh, one says, keep calm and Larry on. And uh, another one says, I survived volcano number two, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. And that's uh, <laughs> those make me laugh. And you know what? There's one that Colonel Jeff brought over today, and we're going to show a picture of it for you on, uh, well... And me wearing it, in fact. It's uh, our shirt about about Batman. It's of, of Larry Man. And it's, well, we needed a theme for that, too. And here it is. Larry. Isn't that terrific? Okay, fine. It's stupid. But so what? We had a good time making it. But boy, oh boy. You know what? Go to the Larry Miller store. And you'll be able to sing that on your own. Oh, boy. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke. Of the week. <laughs> uh, this is a good one. The Colonel, Colonel and I both like this one. A little girl goes up to her mother in their house, and uh, the mother says, How was the day? I was off doing this and doing that. And the little girl says, uh, 
Well, uh, it was fine. There was a, well, a, a woman came to the house in the middle of the day, and her mother suddenly says, whoa, hold that right there. Stop that right there. Save that story for when your father gets home. Okay. And so sure enough, an hour or two later, the father gets home, and the mother says to the daughter, now, now tell your father. And she looks at the father and points at him and just says, uh, the mother says, uh, there was a woman who came to the house today. And now your daughter's going to tell you about it. And the husband gets nervous and, well, I don't. Just listen. Just put a sock in it and listen. Go ahead. And she says to the door, and the daughter says, well, okay. This woman comes to the door, and I let her in, and she was very pretty. And uh, Daddy kind of came running over and just said, oh, uh, honey, you know what? You go uh, you go into the den and play. And... Uh, this lady and I uh, need to talk about some things, and uh, he t- he took her right upstairs, and I just glanced over, and as soon as I got to the top of the stairs, they kissed, and they held each other and hugged each other and, and kissed again, and then he took her down the hallway and uh, in- into your bedroom, and, j- and and I, well, I went up the stairs, too, and they closed the door, uh, but I could look through the keyhole. And, and I did. And, uh, and then suddenly they kiss again and again and again and again. And then all of a sudden they take each other's clothes off. They just, and it didn't take long, not as long as I I, I thought it would, but they take each other's clothes off and, and he takes her to the bed and, and she, she lays herself down on the bed and he gets on top of her and, uh, and her mother says now, yes, yes. And what happened then? And the little girl said, Well, I'm not sure what they were doing, but it was the same thing you and Uncle Jack were doing last year when Daddy was away in Vancouver. <laughs> we got a kick out of that. It's a great city, Vancouver, by the way. I've been there a couple of dozen times working. And uh, it's just the right name for this joke, though. So at any rate, I hope you like that. And as always, if you like it, keep it alive. Pass it on to, well, your family, friends, or folks at work, your loved ones, anybody. Anyone who likes to hear a good joke. And uh, I know I do. And that brings me to my second favorite part of the show. The Poetry Corner. By the way, that's great music to play uh, in Vancouver with that woman <laughs> in your bedroom. Uh, this is a, a fine poem. It's by the great Edna St. Vincent Millay, and it's called, I Know I Am But Summer to Your Heart. I know I am but summer to your heart, and not the full four seasons of the year, and you must welcome from another part Such noble moods as are not mine, my dear. No gracious weight of golden fruits to sell have I, nor any wise and wintry thing. And I have loved you all too long and well to carry still the high sweet breast of spring. 
Wherefore I say, O love, as summer goes, I must be gone. Steal forth with silent drums, that you may hail anew the bird and rose, when I come back to you as summer comes. Else will you seek at some not distant time even your summer in another clime. Isn't that nice? Isn't that beautiful? There's still something that only a beautiful poem can do for us, all of us. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show. The Magic Movie Moment. This is a terrific movie, folks. And I miss it. I've seen it, well, a bunch of times, not a zillion times, but five or six times. It's called Gentleman Jim from 1942, directed by Raoul Walsh and starring Errol Flynn, Alexis Smith, Ward Bond, Jack Carson, Alan Hale. Oh, what a cast and so many others. And Alan Hale, by the way, is the father of... Alan Hale Jr. Alan Hale was one of Errol Flynn's good friends, and they worked together a lot in many movies, Robin Hood being one of them, and Gentleman Jim being another. And one of his kids was Alan Hale Jr., who played the skipper on Gilligan's Island, a fine fellow and a terrific actor. And you know what? This is a great movie. It's all about, well, the true story of Jim Corbett, and in the 1890s, boxing was still illegal in this state and that state. And, uh, well, Jim Corbett was, they came from a tough neighborhood. But the Corbetts were all known to be tough folks. And people from the neighborhood would shout when they, when they got into a family fight, people from the neighborhood would shout, the Corbetts are at it again. And it's a great movie. And sure enough, it comes to, well, Errol Flynn playing Jim Corbett, who was known then as Gentleman Jim. And he's fighting for the heavyweight championship of the world. He's fighting John L. Sullivan, played by the great Ward Bond. And, oh, they fight and fight. And Flynn's footwork was something new for boxing. It was really, really fancy and flashy, and it wasn't just another heavyweight pounding away at each other. And he won. He really won, and John L. Sullivan couldn't handle that footwork. And on that night, when, uh, well, Gentleman Jim Corbett wins the heavyweight champ of the world from John L. Sullivan, it's a great scene. They're having a party, and... It's kind of a fancy dress ball, but not over the top because they have all their friends there and all the boxing folks there and an orchestra playing. And they're all dressed up and they're all duded up and, well, white tie and tails. But it's interrupted when in comes Ward Bond as John L. Sullivan. And he wanted to personally give Jim Corbett the heavyweight championship belt. And it's a wonderful scene and a beautiful scene and a very touching scene. 
and something that really needed to be done. He wanted to be not only honest, but John L. Sullivan wanted to give it to him right away because he won it, and he deserves that belt. So he does, he speaks to him, says something really meaningful to him and about his life and uh, Sullivan's life, and he wishes Jim Corbett all good luck in handling the heavyweight championship, and he hands him the belt, and they shake hands, these two masters, these two, well, two champions, and then he leaves, Sullivan leaves and walks out. It's a wonderful movie, folks. If you haven't seen it, please do. And Errol Flynn, as Jim Corbett, was very touched when Ward Bond came in and gave him that championship belt. And you know what? The party was so good, and they wind up going back to the house, and it comes up, and I think if I remember the last line of the movie is then they, well, they've all had a bit to drink, and they start rousing around again and sort of slugging it out. And sure enough, someone from the neighborhood just leans up with his hand into his mouth and says, the Corbett's are at it again. It's a terrific movie, folks. Errol Flynn is great. Alexis Smith is wonderful. The great Ward Bond is wonderful. They all are. See it sometime if you haven't seen it before. And you know what? You could wear a, who knows, one of these days you could wear a fancy outfit like Jim Corbett and his family wore after he won the championship. I did. I got a fancy outfit, a really big suit, an Armani suit uh, from, uh, well, it was my first Tonight Show shot with Johnny Carson. And at that point, oh, I remember, uh, well, my friend Seinfeld said to me, okay, you've dressed up before, you had sport coats on for this and that, and you've had a couple of suits you've worn a lot, but this is, you know, the Tonight Show, and it's with Johnny Carson, you got to get a new suit, you got to get a good suit, and he took me to a place in Beverly Hills that was so fancy, it didn't have a name, they didn't have anything, any front to the place, they didn't have any tiles, any name up there, any lights, it was just covered by ivy or something. And you go in the back. They had a parking lot there. And I still don't even know what the name of the place was. And I went in with Jerry, and they were very nice and all said hello. And they knew Jerry. He'd been in there before. And Jerry introduced me. And I was there to get my outfit for The Tonight Show, and which was a good idea, by the way. And I got two white shirts that they were, well, handmade by in some Italian joint. And, but the, and they were, they were fancy shirts and two ties that I still have and a pair of black Italian shoes and high over the calf black dress socks and an Armani suit. And it was a black double breasted suit. It was the first time I thought to myself, well, how do you like that? That's uh, Giorgio Armani, where your money is our money. And uh, But I didn't care, because what the heck? 
This was the store. Yeah, I I needed a, go- a good suit and not a fancy suit, not something that was over the top, but where you look as good as you want to look for Johnny Carson and The Tonight Show and for yourself, for everybody. And I did. I got that. And they measured it up to get it ready. And this was, oh, I guess a week and a half before, two weeks before. And I, sure enough, on the day of the show, I went down to that store again, just, you know, alone, and uh, went in there and got everything, and they wished me luck. And I was all packed up in their, well, fancy bags with zippers and everything, the white shirts and the ties and the black shoes and the socks and the suit, and I was ready. And I went down to NBC. I'm always early. Not always early. Sometimes I'm I'm late, I suppose. But I always want to be early. And for crying out loud, you know, your first time on The Tonight Show, you don't want to be late for that. Good Lord. And I went down there. And my agent at the time was Tom Stern. Great fella. And uh, this was pretty fancy for him, too. Good Lord. I was on The Tonight Show. And we went into one of their dressing rooms there and said hello to this this fellow or that fellow, Jim McCauley, who was the producer at the time who booked the comedians. He would audition comedians and take a look at all of them and uh, over here at the improv and over there, oh, at the comedy store and all over the place. And we said hi. And I I like being early. So I, I hung the suit. I hung everything up in the little closet they have for you there in the dressing room. And I just, well, let's see, I was about an hour and a half early, which I like. That suits me fine. And I went in and I put on, first of all, in the dressing room, I put on my black shoes and the high white socks and the uh, T-shirt. I got new T-shirts there, too. And just I was wearing uh, some white boxer shorts for underwear, the Brooks Brothers shorts. And I went, just went down to the makeup room like that. I didn't, I, I, I didn't care, you know. It's show business, you know. So what's walking around in the hallway there, backstage at the Tonight Show? Doesn't didn't bother me that well, I'm in in my underwear. So what? And I sat down and said hi to everyone and shook hands. And uh, they take care of first of all your hair. I know I'm bald now, but I wasn't then. And they take care of your hair and fix it and do whatever they do to it. And then makeup folks put on everything and get you looking just right. And they did get you looking just right, by the way. It wasn't, it was never too much of anything. And then I, you know, just strolled back to the dressing room, smiling and walking down the hallway there. And Tom was in there. And now it's, uh, well, the show always taped at 515, the Tonight Show. And now it's uh, about uh, 4.30, 4.35. And I said to Tom, uh, well, I think it's about time to put on my fancy clothes. And he smiled at me. And we were, we were both just feeling very good about it. And I did that. I opened everything up. And I put on the shirt, the white shirt, and put the tie on, and then opened the suit bag and Oh, took out that nice double-breasted black jacket, and there were no pants. There were no pants with the jacket. And I stood there blinking a couple of times, and 
And then, you know, sometimes at a moment like that, you, well, wait a minute, and you just look through everything again, even though I'm now wearing the shoes, the socks, the shirt, and the tie, I I just look through the other bags as if, well, maybe I put, put it in a, another bag. They did this or something or other. And uh, Tom looked over at me, and my face must have been just going blue, green, orange. And the, he said, what's wrong? And I just I looked at him and said, no pants. And he said, what? You, what? You, what? And the only thing to say was the same thing. A guy just said, no pants. And he said, the only thing he could say, which was, no pants? And I said, no pants. And they have telephones in the dressing rooms there, and old dial phones, in fact, I remember. And I had the, they put the card uh, on the front of the uh, suit bag. So I called the store in Beverly Hills. And I, the guy uh, picked it up. And it was the guy who was my salesman, in fact. And he said, what's going on? Oh, hello. Yes, Mr. Miller. Hello. And I said, no pants. I couldn't stop just saying that. And he said, what? And I said, there's no pants with the suit. There's, I'm wearing the shirt and the tie and the shoes and the socks and have the jacket hanging in the closet, but there's no pants. You didn't give me the pants. And he said, wait one moment. And he went and looked, came back just, well, a minute or two later and said, you're right. They are here. We have the pants here. And he didn't go overboard and say, oh, I'm so sorry I did this. I did that. He, he's a pro too. And he just said, uh, I will send them right now to NBC and to The Tonight Show. And I said, okay. And I hung up. And I both, and I looked at Tom. We both thought, well, Beverly Hills to Burbank and NBC at rush hour. Now it's, you know, it's five to five, and they turn the cameras on, those big switches, they turn them on at 5.15, and that's that. They're making a show. And uh, we looked at each other just, ah, and Tom was so funny. He said, wait, I'll get Jim, remember the producer, and he, and Tom is, uh, <laughs> got a little scared, and he ran out the dressing room door. And I mean, it was almost a run and turned just, you know, to, uh, to, to go toward Jim's office. And he turned right into an outcropping of a cinder block wall that was, now you know what cinder blocks are and they were painted, but that doesn't mean anything. He turned, he hit that wall with his head at about 18 miles an hour. And, and maybe you heard it. In fact, I don't care where you live, but that thing went bong and it knocked him back on his feet. He just kind of hopped back twice on, on his feet from that terrible blow of his head into the cinder blocks. And he turned. I reached out to try to help him, but he, he was already he was so charged up with energy and panic. He turned, said, I'll get him. I'll get him. I'll get him. And he went to get Jim McCall. And that thing, I'm telling you, on his forehead was already a lump. And I mean, you really, oh boy, that guy had a lump just six seconds after he hit it. 
and it wasn't a small one, and it wasn't going to go away fast. He went out and got brought Jim McCauley back, and Jim did the same thing. Looked, said, "No pants, no pants, no pants, no pants." And he said, "And Jim, well, he's a pro. They must have seen some weird things at the Tonight Show over the years." And he got this lovely young woman who was the head of wardrobe there, and she had her own room. She could sew anything and iron anything. And sometimes, you know, beautiful women would be wearing gowns, and she could take care of anything. And she came in and nodded and said, okay, what's the suit? Show me the jacket now. And I took the jacket out and showed it to her, and she looked at it and felt it and said, all right, let me see what I have. And she darted out and didn't walk. Because now, by the way, now it's 10 after 5. Show's taping in five minutes. She gets back a few minutes later, and I'll never forget, it's so funny, you could hear the music because we're backstage. And it's it's a it's a, a way, but you know it's you're right in the whole area of backstage, and she uh, has a pair of pants. Sure enough, a pair of black pants, and she got them, and they were apparently worn by William Conrad, who you may remember was a great actor with a great voice, but not skinny, and she held these up. And I'm telling you folks, when she held them up with her left hand and her right hand, those pants, well, were as big left to right as, well, William Conrad. They were tremendous pants, and he was about five inches shorter than me. And so she said, try it on. And I didn't. Jim was still there, and Tom was there, and they're both just watching me, and I'm watching me. And I did. I tried the pants on. And as I said, they're well, they're about... Five inches too short over the over the black dress shoes, and I t- did. I tucked in the shirt, but there's they were so big. And she said, and she reached behind me, and uh, Jim said, "What can we do?" And she said, "Okay, I can nip it here." And she pinched it in the back, behind, in behind me, and well, there's a huge piece of material going out. And she said, "And I can wrap the rest of the cloth." around the waist area and put pins in that there and it may go around well to the front a little past the front a little round and uh, then they'll put the jacket over that and uh, and Jim said okay all right and Tom just nodded and that lump I'm telling you was getting bigger by the minute folks that thing was throbbing and she said okay and they all looked at me as if I have to okay something. And I just said, well, this, all right, all right, all right. And I'm not a big panicker, by the way. I don't, I wasn't going, okay, okay. I was thinking, you know what? I'm ready for this show. I worked hard on it. And I am, I am as ready as ready gets. And uh, so I took the pants off and she took them back to her whole wardrobe room to well, iron them and do something or other. She's not going to re-sew them, but get them ready. And then uh, Jim said, all right, I'll be there. Let's get behind the curtain there now because the show's on. Johnny has done his monologue and the first guest is on and I'm the second guest. And all of us, the wardrobe woman, Jim, 
and Tom and I walked with me in my underwear and the wardrobe woman holding the pants. And uh, we walked backstage to behind the curtain because I'm on next. I'm going through the curtain next. And it's behind where the, well, where the curtain, you know, you've seen, oh, you've seen that so many times over the years of just where that curtain parts and the guest comes through. And I, I, so I stood there in in my underwear and there's a guy named Chris who was uh, ready that was standing also at the curtain at where it parts. His job was to part the curtain when your name is announced, when you're announced and just guide you out there. But that's a very polite way of saying it. His job, and he's an ex-ball player, he's 6'7", and really powerfully built, and he'd been there years and years. His job was, you're going out there. That's the job. There's not a discussion about it. Sometimes, I guess, again, things perhaps have happened over the years there, and people have suddenly thought, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go out there. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about this. Can we turn the cameras off? No, you can't. His job is, no, you can't, and... Yes, you are. You're going out there. And when he puts his hand on your back and the other hand on the, well, where the curtain opens up, guess what's going to happen then? That's his job. And I'm standing there, though, in the uh, in my underwear, and Tom now says, I'm going out there, out there to the gate, and I'll wait there for the for the folks from the clothing store. And as soon as they pull in, I'll take the pants and I'll run back here. I'll get him right back here. And his now that lump could could wear a hat. By the way, it, that was thing was so big, and it was moving. It was almost grinning at you. And I we said uh, okay, Jim and I and the water woman said okay. And then we kind of glanced at each other. Tom ran off. God bless him to go back out to the gate, which was away down through the halls and through that building at NBC, and then get back out into the parking area past the commissary and whew, about two, three hundred yards down that way and then another three hundred yards out to the gate. And we uh, looked at each other back behind the curtain there and thought, well, they're not going to make it. You know, I mean, for goodness sake, they can't. Again, rush hour, Beverly Hills to Burbank. Come on. You could make In the middle of the night by missile, you could make it. And... So now the guest is coming to the end of his segment. And then it's me. They're going to go to commercial and Johnny's going to introduce me. And they do that. The guest says goodbye. Well, goodbye. All right. Good to see you. Nice. To, thanks for coming down and goodbye. And the band, you know how they do that? Starts kicking in going. Da, 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 da. They play something nice during the commercials. And that's when we're back there. And Jim looks at me and said, I think you got to put the pants on now. And I said, you know, you're right. And he was right. Because, uh, you know, I didn't need anyone to push me out there. I was going out there. And I did. I took the pants from the wardrobe woman and I put them on the left leg and the right leg. And just as she had said, and I knew, I tucked the shirt in into what? I don't know because these were huge. It was just immense. And I uh, put the snap on in front, and then in the back, she was ready to go and nipped it in the back and put some kind of pin thing that held together, and then just 
wound the rest of the fabric around the pants. She put it around the left side, and it goes past where the buckle is, by the way, on your pants. It passed there, past the zip, past everything. And uh, she uh, did that, and she was good. She's she's all right. She's a good pro. And she looked at me. She said, okay, how's that? You're all right? And Jim just nodded and said, you okay? And and the pants, again, are five, six inches above my shoes. But all right. I'm going, you know, and uh, I said, okay. And then they, she handed me the jacket. Okay, fine. I just put the jacket on. And then the uh, started to hand me the belt. Folks, I don't know how. At that second, Tom came running in from the hallway and down the the backstage there, which was another 50 feet or so, screaming, I've got the pants. I've got the pants. And they're on the air, you know, but, the, but the, you're not supposed to scream anything. But I got the pants. I got the pants. And Johnny came back from the commercials, and he had already started the introduction. And his voice, you know that great voice, just said, uh, nothing better than a good new funny comedian, and we have a fellow here, first time on the show, and uh, he starts my introduction. And I looked at Jim, and after about two seconds of a pause, I just took the pants off, just kind of ripped them off, and got all the way down, you know, and there's no one could help me. How do you help someone get undressed like that? I did that, and I took the jacket off, and I handed it to her, to hold and took the pants off, the William Conrad pants, and and Tom threw me my pants and I put them on a left leg, then a right leg, and Johnny is still introducing me in um, this weekend at the 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 punchline in Atlanta, Georgia, and I, I get the put the shirt in and the pants just buckled the pants and then I grabbed the belt from Jim and he, I started to put one of the ends in and I said no no time and I. Threw the belt back to him. She helped me on with the jacket, and I did that, and I just buckled it. And one buckle, one button there, because the double-breasted jacket has two, but I just said, no, no time for that. So there's two. And folks, on the two L's in the name Miller, so so please welcome Larry Miller. And on those two L's, Chris opens the curtain I buttoned the one button and then just looked up with a smile and walked right out there. And I was ready. Now, I hadn't buckled the pants completely. That wasn't, didn't have time to get the buckle and then the button. Who cares? I didn't zip them up. Who cares? I didn't buckle both buttons on the jacket. Just one. Who cares? And I went out there, and I had the best set I could have wanted, a great shot, and I got what every comedian wants. After that, after the round of applause, and the audience was very nice, and I smiled and nodded my head and bowed, then I looked over at Johnny at the desk there, and I got what every comedian wants, the big okay. And... I smiled back at him and then turned and walked right back through the open curtain again to backstage. Well, I don't mind telling you, yes, 
folks, a lot of people may have had crazy things happen on their first appearance at an important thing like that, but if there's a ribbon to win, I think I may win it. With no pants, I went back to the dressing room. Everyone was so happy. Tom and Jim and the wardrobe woman. And I I was too, and I took the jacket off. And that's when they saw what I knew. Pants weren't zipped up. And the button wasn't buttoned. But that was another moment for them too of who cares. It wasn't just me who did it. It was all of us. We did it. And would I have worn William Conrad's pants out there? Sure, because I was ready. And that's when it finally dawned on me, by the way, when did they get William Conrad's pants? What are they doing with those? Who cares? You know, was he on? He was on something and she kept the pants. Who cares? He's great. God bless him. I, you know, and, and I almost wore them. Technically, I did. I wore them in the dressing room once and then took them right off. And then I put them on backstage during my introduction and then whipped them off and put the regular pants on. Well, I don't mind telling you, I was happy then. And I had a couple of martinis that night waiting for that show to come on and start. But why the heck not? So, thank you, folks. You know what's important, and so do I. Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. So remember, folks, as always, if you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, Folks, the game's over and you've won. And that's still the truest thing I know. Pants or no pants. We'll see you here next time.